0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Luke 23. Today we arrive now for the third time at the accounts that describe the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are wrapping up our third gospel, the gospel of Luke. So we have already read Matthew and Mark. And while each gospel will record some unique events or some same events, all four gospels end with the accounts of the death and resurrection of Christ. So by now, the third time, you're familiar with This material, Uh, and likely you were before you even started reading through the New Testament this year uh, because you're familiar with the fact that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. And so, one thing is, you read these passages and you think of how important these events are, and again, familiar because. Highlights every year on the church calendar are Good Friday and Easter. Um, we want to, as we read through these familiar events, I want to encourage you to take them personally. Uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ aren't just abstract truths. Uh, they are important for you. You, if you are a Christian, are saved because Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again. So as we read of the crucifixion today and the resurrection tomorrow, I I want you to think through the importance of these events for you. And as we look at chapter 23 today, there's a few things that I want to highlight from this chapter. it begins with the trial before Pilate and the trial before Herod. And you see some interesting things like in verse 12, that Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that day. For before this, they had been at enmity with each other. And you see just the weakness of these political leaders. And then you get to the familiar event of Pilate releasing Barabbas to the crowd instead of Jesus. And there was one verse... Um, that explains that, that that stuck out to me and really struck me this year reading through the New Testament as a picture of the gospel. And that was verse 25. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. And right there in that verse, I do think you see a picture of the gospel, the sinner The guilty one is released while Jesus is delivered up to death. Can we not all say if we are Christians, that's what happened to me. I have been set free, even though I deserve the judgment that that is coming upon me. And Jesus is taking my place. Right there in Luke, you, you see this picture just in the events of uh, the crucifixion. And again, I want you to think about taking that personally. When Jesus went to the cross, he is doing so in your place. You deserve judgment. You deserve death. But Jesus takes the death and the judgment that we deserve. Now, we get to the crucifixion. We see Simon is tasked to carry the cross. We see Jesus um, really giving a lament over Jerusalem and the daughters of Jerusalem. And again, thinking through the judgment that is coming. And he is crucified then with two other criminals. Well, not other criminals because Jesus was not a criminal, but two others who were criminals are crucified with him. And look at what Jesus says. This is the second thing I really want us to to chew on today is verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's an incredible statement Uh, for Jesus to be on the cross. I, I mean, that alone is the greatest miscarriage of judgment that has ever happened in this world. You know, we we look at the news today and there's times where clearly something wrong happens. There is an injustice. Well, there's nothing more unjust than uh, condemning the spotless Lamb of God. The only perfect human being who has ever lived is getting the death penalty. That is a gross miscarriage of justice. But in the midst of that, Instead of railing against them, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this is where, again, we need to appreciate this for ourselves. Without that, uh, and that statement uh, really reflects the heart of Jesus. Clearly, Jesus isn't speaking directly about you there. He's talking about the people at the cross. But that statement reflects the heart of God. Uh, Our God is a God of forgiveness. And without that heart, guess what? You ain't getting saved. There's no mercy for you. But that heart of forgiveness, if you are a Christian, has extended all the way to you. And if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this podcast— You need to know that forgiveness is available to you through Jesus Christ. If you repent of your sins and put your trust in Christ. And like we've talked about with many things in the gospels, not only do we need to appreciate what Jesus has done for us, Jesus is our perfect example. And how many times do we hold on to bitterness? Do we cry out in anger for justice? Instead of following the example of Jesus and looking at those who have offended us and saying, Father, forgive them. We're more interested in, in their forgiveness and in their being right with God than we are in getting satisfaction or in getting justice. And here we see the heart of Jesus in that. Um, And then we see the crucifixion and we come to this uh, great account of the thief on the cross. And that's the third thing I really want us to chew on as we look at these familiar events of the crucifixion. And this one being unique to Luke, uh, telling us of the repentance of one of the thieves. It says in verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. And there we see another beautiful expression of the gospel. And I think something we need to remind ourselves of, of where our hope is. Our hope for forgiveness, our hope for entry into paradise hangs entirely on Jesus Christ. The thief on the cross had no good works to bring. He was rightly uh, judged for his sin. And also, he he had no chance to go make up for his sin. His hope was entirely on Jesus Christ. Uh, And his only hope was that Jesus said he could enter into paradise. And we need to remind ourselves that is where our hope is as well. When you get to heaven, it will not be, look at all the things I did. It will be Jesus Christ gave me a promise. The king has said that I could enter in through his grace. And that is our only hope. And so we do rightly have concerns in our society about people who make profession but there is no fruit in their life. Uh, but we need to make sure that we don't get away from thinking, hey, my ultimate confidence is in my fruit. No, that that does support our assurance. My ultimate confidence is in Jesus Christ and his promises. That is my hope for getting into heaven. And on the topic of fruit, uh, I think the Bible clearly teaches if there are if there is no fruit there is no salvation. But some people will say to me, well, look at the thief on the cross. He didn't bear any fruit. And that's where well, he didn't have time to go on and live a life, but I would say just look at it again. Even in what he says to Jesus, he is already showing the first fruits of a changed heart. He is willing to accept responsibility for his own sin and he is willing to put his faith in Jesus. And he is showing his faith in Jesus with his words. In this case, one commentator put it very well by saying the thief exercised great faith when he asked Jesus to remember him for Jesus did not look like he was able to save anybody that there is a fruit of faith, even in the words that the thief on the cross speaks. Because he is looking at a man that is dying, and, and even we we know from the accounts, dying quicker than he is, and he's asking a dying man, "Let me into your kingdom." He's looking at a dying man and saying, "I believe you're a king. Let me into your kingdom." That that's faith, and and those words are fruit of faith. So let's even question this whole idea. Well, the thief in the cross didn't bear any fruit. I beg to differ. But again, he's a reminder that the fruit, it supports the claim of of salvation, but our salvation rests on the promise of Jesus Christ. And that's another thing you need to take personally today. Your hope rests on the promise of Christ. That is your hope for entering into paradise. And then we read about the death of Christ. He says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. We see the centurion. Declaring the the innocence of uh, this man. And you see the the solemnness of people returning home, beating their breasts at what has taken place. And then we see Joseph of Arimathea step up in, in what would have been a courageous act to bury Christ. Again, these events may be familiar, but take them personally today. Identify even with Barabbas, that you have been set free because Jesus took your place. Praise God for the mercy expressed in the thought, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And like the thief of the cross, remember, your only hope is the promise of Christ. The King has welcomed us into his kingdom. Let us rejoice in that. Let us praise God today for the cross. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.